on this episode of the Naturist Living Show, Naturism in the Province of Quebec. This episode of the Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca Welcome to episode 35 of the Naturist Living Show. 35 shows, almost three years. And um, I'm uh, very excited because the last few months, uh, we've had a real increase in listenership. Not sure what happened, but starting with the uh, Christian Naturism podcast, and then the show on Growing Up Without Shame, uh, which mostly was uh, new for August, even though it came out at the end of July. We've had a real real upsurge in uh, the number of downloads of the show. Uh, we're now trending around 30 to 40,000 downloads of the various episodes every month. That's uh, downloads, not hits, not uh, page views or impressions, but full downloads of the MP3 file, uh, which pretty much means people are listening to that file. It's not You can't just look at it. You have to download uh, several well, hundreds of megabytes in some cases, to uh, listen to an hour show. So those are full downloads. And uh, the Growing Up Without Shame in August itself had 16,151 full downloads. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered. I'm shocked. I'm, I never expected to have this many listeners. And so I really want to thank all of you for uh, being interested Um and, and for listening to the show and for sending me your ideas and uh, for giving me this encouragement by uh, being interested in what I have to say. So, again, thank you. So if you listen to the show through iTunes or you have an iTunes account or you synchronize through iTunes... You can help the show by giving it a rating. You can go in and give a comment. Uh, you can go and give it a rating with stars. We have a few, but uh, the more we get, the uh, more, the higher the show will show up uh, within the iTunes directory. So if you have an iTunes account, or in fact, if you have another account with some other service that delivers podcasts, please take a minute then, if you like the show, and give it a rating or add some comments if that option is available to you. On the topic of getting feedback, I get many, many emails all the time. And please don't stop, though. I really enjoy them. There's, I can't read them all on the show. I mean, there's too many of them now. Uh, but each one does give me a little encouragement to keep going and confirms that I'm doing this for a good reason that it does matter to people and does make a difference. Um, I did get one letter. Uh, unfortunately, all the way back in April, well, it was written in April. I think I got it in May. It didn't have a postal code, so it was probably a little slow in delivery. And this is a letter from Jeff. Uh, and I uh, couldn't reply to him because he didn't provide a uh, mailing address for reasons which will be obvious in a minute. Uh, 
Um, and uh, so let's just say that it was it comes from somewhere in uh, the Midwest United States. And it goes like this. Dear Stefan, I wanted to write and tell you just how much I have enjoyed the Naturist Living Show podcast. I am very new to naturism and I have found the podcast very helpful in my efforts to understand the philosophy. I find myself in the same conflicted place that I assume plagues many naturists. I would very much like to adopt the naturist lifestyle, but I cannot see the various important people in my life accepting it. I am a man in my early 50s that is married with two school-age kids. Had I been awakened to naturism earlier in my life, I might have seen the opportunity to engage my wife and raise my kids in this philosophy. As it stands, I am confident that my wife and kids would not accept social nudity at all. I fear that my commitment to naturism would be chalked up to a midlife crisis. Maybe my search for a better way is part of a midlife crisis. I am not confident my friends and co-workers would understand if I came out of the closet. I am certain that it would jeopardize my employment. I have found it striking that up until now I have not understood the dilemma faced by those that live alternative lifestyles. I now understand the difficulty that a gay person could have with coming out of the closet. As you can imagine, I have still not visited a club or resort. I recently traveled to southern Florida and had an opportunity to visit Hallover Beach. It was fantastic. I spent the afternoon naked on the beach on a beautiful 80-degree day. The only thing that would have made it better was having family or friends that understood naturism along to enjoy it together. Since then, I have visited a textile area of Florida with my family for spring break. I want to strip off that swimsuit and jump in the surf naked. I was constantly reminded of my day nude on the beach and how wonderful it was. I still had a good vacation, but my experience at Hallover has convinced me that I really want to adopt a naturist lifestyle, except I can't. So I am stuck in a personal dilemma. Everyone is out of the house today, and I laid out on my patio naked for a few minutes. But the fear of being caught quickly brought me back inside to write this letter. I am doing so naked, and it feels great. I would have liked sending you an email and getting your take on this, but as I share an email account with my wife, that was out of the question. Anyway, it has been helpful to write to someone that understands naturism and the struggle that comes along with not being honest about it. Keep doing the podcast. I hope to someday visit Bear Oaks in the summer. It looks great on the website. Best regards, Jeff. And Jeff, if you're listening, I want you to know that uh, I did appreciate your letter and uh, finally decided to record it so I could respond to you. Um, it is a difficult time. It is a, a difficult situation. and uh, But the only thing that worries me um, is that the longer you keep this secret, the more you're going to make it seem wrong if your family finds out. Because they are going to think there really is something uh, not right about it, suspicious, because you hid it for too long. So one of the things is to try to find ways to introduce the idea without necessarily saying that you have already participated. Just showing an interest might be a good way of doing it. And actually, this podcast may not be a bad way of doing it either, because there's no pictures, it's only audio, it's only talking. Uh, clearly, if you're listening to a podcast like this, um, you're not doing it for the titillation of the imagery. And as the old joke goes, you're doing it for the articles, not for the centerfold. So um, the uh, women 
podcast, a Women in Naturism podcast from, oh, it's been over a year now, is still one of a very popular one. Uh, it gets a lot of downloads. And I assume it continues to get a lot of downloads because people find it interesting uh, for women to listen to, that women find some, get something out of it. I certainly have gotten many comments, some that I've read on the show, um, that this is a great show to introduce naturism to women and to help them understand and to help them feel um, right about it and that it's not just another way to exploit them because they're so used to that in our mainstream society. So if you put it on a uh, CD and maybe played it in a car as something you ran across that you just wanted to listen with her and discuss with her afterwards without necessarily giving away that you've actually tried it, um, that might be a good way to introduce it and start the conversation. Of course, I don't know your spouse um, and I don't know your relationship and only you know that and only you know what you can do and what won't jeopardize it. And I wouldn't want you to jeopardize your relationship. Uh, that's not worth it. Um, and while I understand a bit how you feel, because certainly it was hard when I first started, as it is for most people, um, I, I've i never had a relationship where I wasn't able to discuss these things with my spouse. Um, I wouldn't uh, have jumped in quite into it, maybe, uh, before talking to her. Um, but uh, I've always been very open, and we've always had open channel of communication. And even if she didn't agree with me, she uh, always understood because we discussed it and she understood how I feel. So hopefully you can talk about it, and hopefully you can make it work. I wanted to spend a minute uh, talking about money. You know, naturism has uh, reached a point where uh, it's, it's, it's no longer just something that's uh, done in a backfield or a, a clearing in the woods. And society has gotten to a point where people have a high expectations of uh, what they get in terms of services when they go to a club or resort. And that's true for naturism too. And that's made it difficult for new clubs to start. It takes a lot of money. And it's not the kind of money you can easily borrow from a bank. Even if they have no preconceived issues with naturism, um, banks don't like to lend money for startups. They don't like to lend money for unproven businesses. They don't like to lend money against things that they can't collect and repossess and turn back into cash if they need to. So getting a club started is hard. And I'll give you an example. Bear Oaks is... Uh, very successful, as you've heard, and we're out of campsites. In fact, we have 16 couples or families or couples that are waiting for campsites. Um, and at the rate they're being given up, they're going to be a couple decades before the last one gets one. And that's assuming that not more of them get on the list. And I know that uh, the 16 that are on the list are only the ones who thought it was worth their time to add themselves to the list. There are many people who've asked and just walked away because they couldn't get a site. Most of them are day members as well, but they would all like to be able to get away on weekends. So the lot next to us has become available, another 40 acres. And we could easily add, I think we could add 500 sites. And I know from talking to our local municipality that it'd be doable, um, that they would support it and they would work with us. Now, the problem is the 40 acres is about $400,000 to round it out. 
And that's a virgin piece of land. So to add the roads and the sewers and the uh, water systems and the electrical systems, we're probably looking at another $500,000. So total, we're looking at close to a million dollars. And when you consider that it would probably take three years, it means that you would have to sit on a million dollars for three years without any revenue. Now, I just did a quick calculation, and uh, if you take a million dollars at a fairly reasonable interest rate right now, but that might be a little bit low in the future, of 5%, amortized over 25 years, you're looking at a monthly payment of $6,000. So we would be paying $6,000 a month for three years without any revenue. That's, of course, not affordable. So does it make any sense? Well, actually, it would be a great investment. It would be a great investment because, let's say we can't do 500 sites, we can only do 300. And let's say that we can only lease them out at the lowest rate that we have, which is for seasonal sites at the back. They're very small, they have no septic connections, and they only have a 30 amp electricity. Likely, of course, these new sites would be higher and better in every way, year-round, with full sewage connection, etc., etc. But let's assume that I take the absolute lowest price that we're currently charging, which is about $2,000 a year. Well, 300 sites at $2,000 a year means $600,000 a year. And that's not counting all of the additional revenues that might happen with the store and a restaurant and everything else. So, of course, it makes total sense to invest and build. Um, but... You can't just borrow the money from a bank because you, the bank won't lend it to you. Not, not on a, they will lend you maybe half of the value of the land on a commercial enterprise like this. The rest would have to come from somebody who is an investor. What you really need is you need people who have the money and see the potential, understand that naturism is a good business model and that you can make very good money at it, and is willing to sit on the money until that revenue comes in. They would probably get a great rate of return over the long run, but they'd have to be willing to invest and take the risk. And that's the problem, and that's what we need. So if you know wherever you are, if you have money, if you have access to capital, if you know people who do, I challenge you to take that money or find the people with the money and convince them that naturism is a good investment. Find the people who understand business who understand naturism like you do, and get them involved. Get their money involved in growing naturism. Toronto has only now two naturist clubs to, to service, depending on the size you consider Toronto to be because it's sort of an, a non-stop population. But let's say the greater Toronto area is somewhere between 4 and 8 million people. I know that's a big range, but you can actually keep going and going and going and going. But I know that within an hour of Bear Oaks, there's about 4 million people. There's only two clubs to service both of those, all that population. Both of the clubs, Bear Oaks and Ponderosa, are full. And uh, there's room for probably another half dozen clubs that would succeed and that would do well without any of us really competing with each other. But that won't happen unless somebody with the money is willing to invest and find, of course, the people to run it who have the expertise and knowledge on how to run a business successfully. It takes money. 
But the people who have the money, most of them don't understand. But if you are one of those people with access to capital, find the people in your area and get together with them. Put together the business plan and start new clubs or invest in existing clubs to help them grow and help them run the business and make it profitable. Because it's only when we show that this is a very successful, profitable business that naturism will really grow. And if you don't know, you can always contact me, and I'm sure I can put you in contact with someone. Through this podcast now, as we were talking about at the beginning of the show, we reach thousands and thousands of people. And so if you have the funds, if you have the resources, help me put you together with those people or contact your local naturist organization or your local clubs and let's get naturism growing. Canada is uh, an interesting country in that uh, we are uh, founded by two people. Three, of course, if you count the natives who were here well before us. But in terms of modern history, in terms of Europeans, uh, Canada was first all French. It was part of the the French colonies. And uh, after some wars, uh, the uh, British... Uh, took over Canada and won Canada after uh, wars and battles. Um, and uh, it was still French for uh, a long time, a long period of time, nearly 100 years. Uh, the British allowed the French uh, Canada to continue with their culture, with their religion and their language because it was easier to govern that way, to let them govern themselves. It was only after the uh, American Revolutionary War, which ended in 1784, that Canada suddenly had an influx of uh, English-speaking people. Uh, a lot of colonists from the uh, New England area uh, were loyal to the king and to England and moved north of the border into Canada to colonize and settle and build new farms because they didn't want to stay in the United States. Of course, the British government offered them free land for being loyal and all. So since then, we've been this country of, uh, as uh, is often referred to, uh, two solitudes, two very different people, two very different cultures, uh, brother and sister uh, fighting, uh, loving each other and yet fighting, but often disagreeing and trying to live under the same roof. And uh, I'm sure most people have heard that there's been a lot of talk from the Francophones in Quebec about separation from Canada. They want to be their own unique and distinct culture and society, and some think the only way to do that is by forming their own country. Uh, but with uh, through a few uh, surveys, it seems like the majority of the population don't want that, so it's never passed in the referendums. And we remain one country with uh, two cultures and two language. Uh, and I, of course, come originally from Quebec, and I am fully bilingual. Um, I now live, or I've lived most of my life in the English portion of Canada, um, but I'm still uh, at heart a francophone, and I get along very well, and I have many friends in Quebec, and we vacation often in Quebec, as we did this summer, and I have good friends um, there, including uh, Michel Vaillis, um, who is one of the people who was really key in the development of naturism in Quebec. 
um, Quebec for being very liberal and uh, socialist and uh, European in so many ways, um, was actually one of the most repressive places for naturism in the 50s. In fact, one of the, uh, it is the only place where people were specifically uh, prosecuted in court for being naturists. Michel Vaïs, uh, who was uh, the founder of the uh, Quebec Federation, la Fédération québécoise de naturisme, in the 70s uh, was very involved, though, in bringing naturism back to the forefront and growing it in the province of Quebec and bringing back ideas from France. He traveled frequently to France and uh, brought a lot of the ideas and merged it into the Quebec uh, psyche to get people interested in naturism. So I sat down with Michel um, to get his history and his recollections of the development of naturism in Quebec. Bonjour, Michel. Hello. <laughs> so, um, you've been a naturist for a long time? I've been a naturist for more than 40 years, yes. So, how, how did you first get started in naturism? Well, first, uh, when I was young and I had a girlfriend, and we uh, realized that we liked to go swimming, we liked to go in remote beaches, and we went very far. We left our cars or the bus and we, we walked, we walked for kilometers and kilometers to find remote places where we could be alone and then we would just swim nude, you know. So we did that for some time in islands, especially islands. We were very keen on uh, taking vacations in islands. So we went to Magdalen Islands, we went to Corsica, to uh, some Spanish islands in the Balear, Balear, Balearics. Uh, we went to Greece and Guadeloupe and so on. And then eventually I went to France to finish my uh, university uh, degrees. You know, I did a PhD in Paris. And I had a teacher there, a professor of mime, who uh, used to tell his students that if you want to accept your body, you should go to the naturists. So I, f I felt it was like the next step, you know. I had never thought of going to a naturist camp or center because I was very happy with walking a long distance to be alone with my girlfriend in, <laughs> on the remote beach. But then I said to myself, well, it made it may make sense, you know. So this professor, whom I respected very much, uh, spoke about um, naturist centers in France. And I was there for four years, you know, for my PhD. So I had a lot of spare time, a lot of vacations. I had a car. And, I, I bought some French magazines on naturism and I was, I decided finally to go there with my girlfriend to go to a, the biggest naturist camp in France, which was Montalivet, Centre Elio Marin de Montalivet, in southwestern France, near Bordeaux, but on the Atlantic. And that was in uh, uh, 1972, and it was in Easter. So it, we felt a little awkward to have to pay to cross a gate and to be allowed to be nude because we had been nude for free for so many years together on remote beaches. But then it was different because we realized that in this place, there were many other places, other things than just being nude. I mean, we could, uh, of course, camp. We had our own tent, but we could also go to a restaurant, go to some shops. There, were, uh, there was a whole uh, shopping uh, uh, center there, I mean, with a lot of... Um, 
butcher shop, euh, euh, boulangerie, euh, mm -hmm. bakery, bakery shop, un café, un euh, fish shop, and so on. So it, it was like um, a nude society. It was quite different from being alone on a remote beach. And we met such marvelous persons there. It was Easter, so it was a little coolish, you know, but we were in the dunes and it was possible to get some sun in the dunes when it was a little windy. And uh, we had long talks with some people who lived in Paris like we did and who told us about um, naturist activities in the city. So when we went back to Paris, we went to a swimming pool, a sauna, hammam, uh, and so on, uh, uh, reserved for naturists some days you know, of the week. And we became members of a, of a naturist club in Paris. And of course, I also discovered uh, this marvelous magazine called La Vie au Soleil. Uh, and when I came back to Quebec after four years there, well, of course, uh, we were looking for something similar here. And the naturist centers had begun to open in Quebec in the 70s, in the early 70s. But uh, each of them was like independent, you know, there was nothing to, to there was no organization, there was no federation, nothing to uh, uh, put them together, you know. There were no uh, indoor activities in the city, there was no magazine, there was nothing. So I decided to create the, uh, first of all, I decided to join one of those centers, La Pommerie, where I'm, I am still now. And um, there I spoke with many people members who were there and I said well uh, we should um, you know organize some activities all year round for naturists and of course they found it was it made sense and they said well why don't you create that organization you know so this is how I became the founder uh, the main founder of the Federation of Quebec Naturists and we did all of course the main the first aim was to get all the centers together so the club owners uh, said, if you want to create some organization, well, do so. But, I mean, don't come and tell us what, how to run our own businesses. <laughs> so uh, what I decided to do with my friends was to do everything that the clubs don't do. In other words, none of those clubs uh, uh, was uh, taking care of any uh, indoor activity during the winter. So we did that. None of them... Uh, uh, had a magazine or supported the, uh, there was no naturist magazine here so, so I created one called Au Naturel and then uh, none of them for example organized uh, um, uh, trips uh, abroad during the winter in naturist places like Cuba, Mexico and so on so we did that at the FQN and of course the FQN very very rapidly had some uh, regional um, uh, sections, you know, so it started in Montreal and then we had a regional section in, in Quebec City, so we had some activities there, they rented the YMCA and uh, uh, other things, and then we had one in Lac-Saint-Jean, we had one in Sherbrooke, in uh, Shawinigan, in fact, Shawinigan for the Trois-Rivières area, and then we had some activities in Ottawa, so it was a whole network. And this lasted for many years. And, and, and then, of course, we asked for the International Naturist Federation to recognize us because nobody was there to represent Canada or Quebec or, you know. 
So uh, they said, yes, of course, but uh, do you represent Canada? I said, no, we represent Quebec because we are just, we're a Quebec group, you know. But if in, if any time something similar starts in Canada, of course, we will share, uh, uh, we will share representation with the INF. You know, we will be, we will join together to represent both groups. So seven, seven or eight years after the foundation of the Quebec Naturist Federation, which was founded in 1977. So I think it's 1984 or 85, is it, that the FCN started? I think uh, 85, eight, eight, really. 85, yeah. yeah. So it's about eight years after the FQN started in Quebec that the FCN, Federation of Can- Canadian Naturists, started. I received a letter one day from uh, Doug Beckett, a man who uh, said we want to create a naturist federation. Well, he was more, more speaking about a nudist federation at that time, but he said nudist slash naturist. But I said very quickly, I said naturist is the word that we should use. That's the word we chose for Quebec. And, and so he wanted to have some advice and to, he wanted to know if we were interested. He, all, at the same time, he wrote to all the, the clubs in Quebec and in fact throughout Canada, <clears throat> because the only organization taking care of naturists in Canada at that time was the ASA, which is the American Sunbathing Association, which then has become the American Association for Nude Recreation, AANR. So at that time, <clears throat> ASA had members, uh, I mean club members throughout Canada and including Quebec. And the Quebec Federation was going was doing quite well at that time. Uh, in 1984-85, the Quebec Federation had about 2,500 members already. You see, we our magazine was going very well. We had our own uh, office space at the Regroupement Loisirs Québec, which is a um, a group of uh, leisure and sports federations, which is funded by the Quebec government. Uh, uh, for their office space, at least. Uh, and, the, and all this regroupement uh, is in the Olympic Stadium. You know, they, con- they converted garages, uh, parts of the garages of the Olympic Stadium into uh, a huge uh, network of office spaces for those leisure and the sports federations. And the FQN was accepted as a member, even though we, the FQN never had any direct grants from the government, from any government. We still had, you know, we were admitted through uh, uh, to, to have um, an office space at the Regroupement Loisirs Québec, and it cost one hundred dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Still now, I mean, the FQN is still there now, and it costs about hundred hundred twenty-five dollars a year, you know, for this office space, which is fantastic. Um, hadn't there been though prior to uh, the FQN in the fifties and sixties there were already clubs in Quebec and there was an association no, then? Uh, uh, well, no, no. In the fifties uh, there was no clubs in Quebec. There was one attempt to create a club by uh, Gaëtan Couture, and he was in jail. He, he went to jail. I mean, he was uh, he wanted to create a nudist club. This is how they called it called it at that time. Uh, and he, the name he gave to his club was Les Quetans, Quetans, which means Quebec Tans, Quetans. Okay, Ketan. So uh, one of the he he had a personal property uh, around Joliet, and he invited the members of his club to be in this property. But it was completely closed and uh, you know sheltered. And one of the um, uh, obligations to become a member of his club was one of the conditions was to send a photo of oneself nude. Mm. So. He received, he got some members this way, but then 
he was uh, he was accused of using uh, um, of using uh, the post uh, for pornographic uh, uh, means, you know. So, so uh, just for having people nude, you know, in these photos. So he uh, had many trials, and finally, he spent about six months in uh, no more than that, I think, two years in jail. He had about five, four or five trials. He won some of them, and he 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 lost others. So this was this was around 1958, you know, and this was uh, this cooled down <laughs> the uh, chances of any Quebecers to to create a naturist camp. This is why in the 60s the Quebecois mostly went to Ontario or Vermont naturist clubs, which were open then, you know, in the 60s. So this is why many Quebecois uh, have uh, been initiated to naturism in Vermont, in Vermont, uh, in Forest City Lodge, in Maple Glen, uh, and in Ontario there were some clubs like uh, Domaine Richard Brunet, which used to be called Domaine Naturiste du Québec. There was Le Club Bel Air, uh, and there were a few others, uh, Anne Yvon, I think, Anne Yvon. Anyways, there were three or four clubs in Ontario and Vermont close to the Quebec borders, which were full of Quebecois, French Quebecois. People who don't know the history of Quebec yeah. uh, and who know Quebec now would be surprised to hear that because Quebec is very European and open and tolerant. Yeah. What, why, why was it that they were... It was the only prosecution for nudism in Canada. Uh, Gaëtan Couture, yes, but that was under Duplessis, and yes. Duplessis had, uh, was very uh, right. Duplessis yeah. was the... Prime Minister of Quebec, yes. and he was to the right, you know, very right, very conservative, and, uh, and the church was still very powerful at that time, you know, until, uh, until the death of Duplessis, in fact, in um, 1959, I think, something like that. So in the 60s, because of what had happened to uh, Gaëtan Couture, the, um, you know, people did not try, even try, to, to create any naturist campus, but they found it easy enough to go to the outside of the borders of Quebec, you know, in Vermont and, uh, and Ontario. And then in 1969, this is when I, uh, uh, I, I uh, date the first naturist camp in Quebec. It's not 1970, where, where, which many people think. 1969, it's Le Domaine Laurentien, you know, in Les Laurentides. And, but this lasted only for one season, you know. And uh, I've met personally some people who had been there in that year, 1969. And the following year, 1970, was the year that Le Paradis Terrestre opened in the Laurentians, in Chertsey. And this was uh, called at that time uh, the School of Nudism in Quebec. You know, it's a place where, where, which, which uh, immediately was in all the medias, was very popular because of their activities, which was, to my, in my view, had uh, very little to do with naturism, unfortunately. But there was, for example, a nude uh, contest, you know, a nude, uh, uh, how do you call that? A beauty, a, a contest? beauty contest, nude yeah. beauty contest. Uh, they also had some marriages celebrated in the, uh, in the camp. They also had, they boasted that they had attracted some priests and you know, some very important people, uh, some stars. They had a concert. They had a rock concert, which was um, uh, broadcast from there, you know, uh, outside on the radio. And uh, what else did they do? I mean, they, they, 
so le paradis terrestre was really very getting very strong and very popular and then immediately after uh, many other clubs opened from they took the they saw that it was possible with the paradis terrestre so l'oasis opened uh, la vallée rustique la pommerie loisirer soleil these these are the first one that that opened just after the paradis terrestre in this around 72 I would say 73, 74, 75, 76. So what, what happened in less than 20 years to go from prosecuting people who were trying yeah. to do naturism to so many clubs opening? What, what happened in Quebec to change? <laughs> well, it was a quiet revolution, what we call the quiet revolution. In 1960, uh, the Liberal Party took over and the, and the Union Nationale of Duplessis was uh, uh, beaten. beaten. And, uh, and Quebec burst into the 20th century in, in the 1960s with the uh, nationalization of electricity, with René Lévesque, who later will found the Parti Québécois, the Sovereignist Party. I mean, all, the whole society was changing, you know. We, we went, in Quebec, we went from the highest birth rate in the white race to the lowest birth rate in the white race. Can you imagine that? I mean, families had... 10, 12, 15 children. And then suddenly they had one, they had no children at all. They didn't even marry. You know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't go to, to church anymore. I mean, the whole society was completely changing, you know. So in the 70s, we were still in that, in that trend, you know, of changing things. Change, things were changing so fast in Quebec in the, 60, in the, in the 70s. You know, it started in 1960 with the nationalization of electricity and the liberals and so on, and then it continued. Remember, in 1967, Charles de Gaulle came to Quebec and he said, vive le Québec libre, you know, and he anticipated the creation, the founding of the Parti Québécois, 1968, which just the following year. And then in the 70s, I mean, and we had, we had this... Um, Uh, World Fair in Montreal in 1967. The Expo. The Expo, Expo 67, Expo 67. So that opened Quebec to the whole world. I mean, people came from all over the world and, and we were able for the first time to taste some food from Tunisia, from, uh, from uh, China, from all countries of the world. It was fantastic. It, the society was changing very rapidly, you know, at a very rapid change that you can't, take, you can't imagine in, in English Canada. <laughs> Because Quebec is more French society, so it works, it, it, uh, it, uh, it, it has very brusque changes, you know, revolutions. I mean, we are a, a, a people of revolutions. We're not, we don't, there's no quiet evolution. So this is why those naturist camps flourished, you know, very quickly in the 70s. And, uh, well, La Pommerie is one, uh, which opened in 1976 or seven, something like that. And uh, this is where I came, you know, I had just uh, finished my um, education in France and I used to go back to France every summer to, to spend my vacations in nature's camps after I had come back to Montreal. <clears throat> But when I saw that, that uh, a club open, uh, and it says in the publicity which I saw, it was a European inspiration, you know. <laughs> so I was attracted by this type of uh, thing. And the, the man who opened La Pommerie was French. So tell me, what, were all those clubs that opened in the 70s, were they all mm. naturist? <laughs> well, some of them called themselves nudists and others naturists. 
some of them um, were really only uh, concerned with having people nude, you know, and uh, and uh, continue to drink their beer as <laughs> as they did elsewhere, and. Uh, uh, and have that loud music near the lake or near the swimming pool and so on. So most of them were not really, well, most of them, maybe some of them. I don't know to what extent, but I mean, among them, you had some people who were not really any different, you know, than ordinary campers, except that they were naked, you see. But uh, I would say a minority of them were more concerned with nature, and this is especially the case in La Pommerie. So in, at the Federation... Of course, we were very concerned with ecology, with uh, the envir environmental issues, uh, and with, uh, with nature. I mean, uh, we, 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 we fought for the word, for the concept of naturism, for the definition of naturism, which is accepted by the International Naturist Federation. And, um, but we were not uh, in very good terms with all the clubs, you know. <laughs> Some of the clubs decided that they didn't need the federation they didn't uh, see why they should uh, do things together with us you know uh, except that of course we, we 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 were useful to all the clubs when for example when we had a, a booth at the camping fair and we distributed the 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 the, the, the leaflets of the, the pamphlets of the clubs we asked them do you want us to distribute our pamphlets just give us some and we'll distribute them so we did that you know and of course, they were very happy because they had some people visiting them. And another issue is the free beaches issue. Of course, at the Federation, we've always encouraged people to practice naturism in many ways, many different ways, whether it's in indoor activities or on free beaches or, or, uh, or in clubs and so on. Because we, I've always thought that most people ha have their first experience in a, on a nude beach, you know, I don't call this personally naturism on a nude beach. It depends where. But I mean, for me, naturism needs some kind of organization. You see? Uh, the presence of foreigners. If you're just alone or with your family on a very, very remote beach where you don't see anybody else, I don't call this naturism. This is a kind of, uh, uh, how would I say, uh, uh, wild uh, nudism, I would say, you know? Naturism needs... Uh, 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 um, um, naturism needs something, uh, uh, some kind of socialization. You see, so, but but very but most people start this. You know, there are steps to discover the full uh, uh, range of naturism uh, activities. If the first, you start in your house. You can you can start do that with your friends. If you have a garden, you can be nude on a remote beach, and then eventually you meet some strangers, some foreigners, and you and you and you realize that you can be nude with a foreigner and, and, and there's no revolution, there's no orgy, there's no, nothing. Uh, uh, you can share some values with them and it can be very, uh, uh, very interesting to, because you meet some very interesting people who are, who, who, with whom you share some things, you know. And then eventually you could go to a club if, if, you, find, if you can uh, find other people who share the same values. So there are, there are steps, you know. Uh, towards naturism, so so we we did not say to to the to the to our members of the FQN, don't go to the free beaches, go to the clubs. But the club owners would have liked us to do that, you know, because they say if people go to the uh, a free beach, they go for free, 
And why would they come to our club? <laughs> so I answered, well, you have to offer more, you, you know. So it was very difficult to, to find common grounds with the, with the club owners for some time, you know, at the beginning. So what is the uh, status of Nature's Zem in Quebec today? Uh, well, today there are, um, I don't know, about six clubs. Some of them have closed. Many of them uh, uh, have closed in the recent years, unfortunately. But the Federation, after having lost some power and some members over the years, uh, now is regaining some members. Uh, and the reason why the Federation lost members is that 30 years ago, it was very useful to be a member of, this, of such a federation, uh, an, uh, an association, to get some information. But now you find a lot of things on the internet for free, you know. So this is why some people who had been members had not renewed, you know. So there was uh, uh, um, quite a number of, uh, of uh, uh, memberships which were, which were lost year after year. And the federation has gone down to uh, about 250 members, you see. But now it's going up again. For example, in Quebec City, there used to be some uh, activities um, uh, FQN activities in Quebec City. They had the YMCA, which have they have been renting for uh, more than 10 years, I think, 12 years. But of course, it was all by vol made by volunteers, you know. And then after 12 years, suddenly there was no more volunteer to take care of that. So it stopped. And we had no activities in Quebec City for 20 years. Occasionally, we had a couple of members who had been trying to organize, to find a place that was available for renting for nude activities, and they couldn't find any. And then suddenly, last year, I don't know why, the stars were shaped <laughs> differently, and last year it was made possible by a new group of people who have never seen the, the previous uh, generation of naturists, and they found the YMCA, and they found a, a spa in the suburbs of Quebec, and now they are, they are organizing... Uh, uh, excursions to different nature centers or free beaches. For example, this very weekend of July uh, 2011, they are here in La Pommerie right now. There's a whole group of uh, uh, Groupe Naturiste de Québec. Uh, they are about 12 of them. And they came with the sh carpooling and uh, they, 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 uh, they, some of them have stands. Otherwise, uh, other ones rent a trailer and uh, they're here for the weekend. Last weekend, they were in Rimouski in La Vieille Ferme, uh, which is another uh, nature center. And the previous weekend, they were in uh, Capozois, where there's a free beach on the St. Lawrence, about two hours from Quebec City. So in Charlevoix, in Charlevoix. So uh, they are organizing activities all year round now. They are doing nude uh, hitch, nude hiking and, uh, and so on. So, um, you know, the media right now loves to talk about uh, because I guess they like the imagery that uh, naturists or nudists are all old and fat and uh, it's not relevant to young people. And even uh, there's been a number of articles in Europe that there's uh, fewer in France that uh, women like to wear tops on the beaches instead of going top free. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's true? Do you think that uh, naturism is no longer relevant to young people? I don't know. I don't think so. I see. I see young people this weekend in La Pommerie. There are so many children here, <laughs> so many young couples with children. I think when you're young, in, when you're in your twenties, for example, 
You don't want to stay with your parents. You don't go, want to go where your parents go. When I was 20, I wanted to discover the world. And I went and I discovered the nude beaches, you know, for example. I traveled a lot and I, I didn't want to. I went camping in remote places. I traveled throughout the world. And then eventually, you know, well, you, 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 you like to have a place where it's a little more comfortable, not too far from the city where you can leave the pressure of the city and the heat and the and so on so there's an age for everything you know and i think that we see a lot of uh, families with children here and uh, and some uh, teenagers and uh, and some people who are older i, I see uh, many grandfathers and grandmothers here with their uh, grandsons or grandchildren so I don't know. I think what's different is that people don't need to be members of a, uh, of a group to get the information they need because they find it on the Internet. And also, in Quebec, in Canada, you don't have to be a member uh, to hold a card, a membership card of a naturist organization to be admitted in clubs, which is not the same in Europe. In Europe, if you go to France or Germany, to many... Uh, European centers, you need a, a membership card of a federation, of a group, you know, to be admitted. Otherwise, they will sell you one, you know. So this is what I would have liked to do when I founded the federation in Quebec. I would have liked all the clubs to join and to even sell themselves the membership cards of the FQN. And uh, I said you could keep part of the of the fee for yourself, you know, for your administration and so on. But they never thought it was uh, necessary or useful. So it's too bad. So people can, ma can be admitted in any club here without any membership card of whatsoever. But So it's too bad because uh, the, uh, the magazine, for example, could have been sent to uh, <laughs> tens of thousands of people instead of just uh, one, uh, 1,500 or 2,000, you know. I mean, it could have made for a much stronger magazine. So, uh, talking about magazine, I, I, I founded the, F, the Au Naturel, which was the FQN's uh, magazine. And then after 20 years, I think, well, other people took care of the magazine after I quit. But uh, at one point, the, the board of directors of the FQN decided they didn't need a magazine. So it stopped. I mean, there was no more magazine. So I found it <laughs> too bad. So I created my own magazine, private one called Naturisme Québec. Mm -hmm. And this lasted for five years, you know, but I was alone, I mean, to do it. I had to take care of the articles, the photos, selling the ads and so on, and I wasn't supported. Uh, I, uh, happily, I, I had the help of uh, Ross Vickers, who uh, was taking care of the advertisements for the Going Natural, uh, the uh, FCN's magazine. And he took care of my uh, ads as well, as a volunteer job and he did that for for five years and after those five years he said sorry i can't go on anymore so this is when my magazine stopped publication and i offered the uh, fcn to um, uh, send them uh, articles in french for their own magazine this is how the, the fcn's magazine became bilingual Going natural, au naturel. By the way, going natural is a translation of au naturel, you know, because when, when I founded the FQN, the name of my magazine was au naturel, so the FCN took the statutes of the FQN and adapted them for themselves. They took the name of the magazine and the, the kind of, the, the name naturism also, because at the beginning it wasn't obvious that they would use that term. 
instead of nudism. And in fact, they, they found it very helpful, you know, <laughs> that we were. And at the beginning, they thought, the FCN thought, the leaders at that time thought that they, we would create one big, large federation for all Canada. And I said, I don't think it will work because we are, we'll already have activities in Quebec, you know, we are already... I mean, we're going well in Quebec. It's working. We have a, a federation which is working. I think you, you should do the same in English Canada, and then together we will create some type of uh, uh, structure, you know, to uh, to uh, to uh, work together and and to have international representation. This is what we did with the FQN-FCN union. Right. That still works today? It still works, of course. You have uh, two, uh, officially, you have two persons from the FQN and two persons from the FCN who are board members and who uh, are members of this union. And they, uh, they're supposed to meet uh, at least once a year. And anyways, at the international congresses of the INF, uh, uh, one uh, uh, official delegate represents both groups, you know, uh, you've been there as an official delegate of both groups. I've been there uh, a couple of times too in the past, and normally it works. I mean, uh, we share, uh, we don't share many things together, but <laughs> we share, we make a festival together, and uh, and uh, we have a, a magazine together, so it's good. So, in general, are you optimistic on the future of naturism <laughs> or pessimistic? I'm always optimistic. <laughs> Because um, I think more and more in a society where um, we live so, um, um, how would I say, isolated from nature, we need uh, to find our roots. And we all come from this nature. We, we live in, in, in cities where we are in, in winter most of the time. Uh, I mean, a big part of the of the year uh, we are under art artificial lighting so we need a contact with nature so we have indoor plants we have pets we have uh, a fireplace all bits of natural environment that remind us of nature well, that symbolically are very important for us otherwise we'll, come, we'll become crazy you know without this if we live just in concrete blocks with glass uh, and uh, and uh, neon uh, neon uh, lighting, we become crazy, you know. So we need the contact with nature, and the more more and more we will we will have instruments of communication, and we'll be on the internet and on social networks and so on. And the more and more we will need to have a, a, a balance, you know, to have uh, uh, to compensate for all for all, the, all that. And in and in nature we find our real selves. So when you are in nature, I mean, the, the best way to be in, in contact, in full contact with nature, is to get rid of your clothes, because, because clothes are still part of the society that we, sh that we bring with us, you know? It's always, they stick to our skin, you know? And they are, um, I mean, they are like a prison, you know? It's a textile prison that we live in. We don't even realize it because we're used to it. But when you go to a, a naturist swim in the winter, yeah. uh, it's indoors, it's with fluorescent lighting as well. Yeah. Why does that help you get back to nature again? 
because there are some uh, 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 natural elements still. Even if you are in a, in a swimming pool, there is water, there is air, warm air that you feel in all parts of your body, and there's also the skin of the other people. I mean, it's not only the, 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 the skin of the trees that you need to see, but the skin of other people are part of nature too. I mean, the, the, the body as it is. And, you, you, and also one of the main advantages, advantages of, being nature, of practicing naturism during the wintertime, I think it's more psychological because you, you uh, accept your body better by seeing other people accepting themselves as they are, you know. And the fact that they are nude and they are offering their image, you know, to other people in a reciprocal uh, gift... I mean, this is very, very helpful, very useful. It's very strong. Many people, I mean, for many people, it can even be a form of therapy. I don't, I, I'm not saying that, uh, that people uh, who are really um, um, uh, <laughs> obsessed or sick should, should go to nature's places. I think there are a lot of things that, should be, that we should get rid of before trying a nature's experience. But I think it... It is some form of therapy for, for people of many ages. I mean, I've seen so many, in, in more than 40 years, I've seen so many people discovering naturism at a, you know, quite a late age, in their 50s or 60s or 70s. And, and they, they, speak about, they speak about this experience with so much emotion, you know, it's hard to believe what it makes them, you know, how they feel. It's really touching. I, I'm, I, just, I just finished a book on naturism and I speak about some of these um, stories. Some people who have told me, you know, their discovery of naturism at different ages. And it's quite touching, you know. <laughs> so I think the, the most advantages of, um, in the wintertime are more psychological advantages. Well, that's it for this episode of The Naturist Living Show. Thank you, as always, for listening. The thousands and thousands of you, apparently, out there who are downloading and listening to the show. My name is Stefan Deschain, and I'm your host for this podcast and the owner of Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. You can find links to all of the items that I mentioned in the show notes on the show's website, which is located at naturistliving, one word, dot because we are in Canada. Please keep sending your comments and your suggestions. As I said at the beginning of the show, I really appreciate getting them. It keeps me going. The show's email address is naturistliving at bareoaks.ca. That's B-A-R-E, of course. B-A-R-E oaks.ca. Join us again in about a month for the next episode of the Naturist Living Show, where we'll be discussing fashion, and naturism. This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park, traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social, and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. 
Learn more at www.bareoaks.ca. Thank you.